It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul on demand, episode 46 with Brooke Eden. So, two part question What's the dumbest song you've ever wrote? Like in the middle of the night or something you record and you woke up and you're like, what the was I thinking? One time I woke up and it was like, it was called like Fragicolin. Like it was like, you know, super fragicalistic, like, like that kind of a thing. And I thought it was so good. And I even like sang it into my phone. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, that's not even a word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you love country music and you love somebody that is willing to stand up for what she believes in, not caring what anybody thinks, and just a strong-willed individual, you're going to love this podcast. I had an amazing time talking with Brooke Eden. She's a new artist on the scene, and man, is she making some noise already. Get in here, check out the podcast as usual, like and subscribe and follow and all that, whatever else you can do, I don't even know. Any of that, it all helps out, keeps my bosses off my back. I appreciate y'all listening to Taste of Country Nights on Demand, episode 46 with Brooke Eden. Uh, Taste of Country Nights, Evan Paul hanging with Brooke Eden. What's happening? What's going on? Not a whole lot. Are you <laughs> pumped for this whole EP to come out? I'm so freaking pumped. It's it's a damn time. Yeah, it feels like listening to the EP is like we're getting to know you for the first time. Like Aww. it's very in-depth. I know you did a lot of writing on that. Yeah. Um, one of the songs called Knock. Yeah. I hear a little bit of an L King vibe. She's my favorite. Really? I love El King. Okay. I, yeah. you, I, I hear a little bit of that vibe in there. Have yeah. y'all ever worked together? We have not ever worked together, but like when I was, you know, touring a lot when her like X's and O's was out, that would be like the mm-hmm. one cover that I would cover during my shows. Oh, really? Because I feel like her music can really lend itself to country, which is probably why she did the, the duet with mm-hmm. Miranda. Um, but yeah, I'm like very influenced by like, that sound in itself, like kind of that like soulful, like rebel, like I don't even know what to call. I don't even yeah, know what to call yeah. it because it's uh, just soulful its own rebel thing. indie, uh, I don't know. Like pop rock or something. Pop rock, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but like it reminds me of like Duffy and Adele, like the UK, like kind of seventies artists. And so I I really gravitated to that um like in my adult years. And then I grew up on 90s country. So mm. I like to like kind of combine all of my love of music into my music. And so that, that's really cool that you said that. Yeah, I definitely we get that vibe. And then there's um, another song, Comeback Love. Yeah. You didn't write that per se, but. I did write it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. I wrote every song in this. Season. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, you sang it like. It's a very big sound, like the way you sang it. Did did you envision it to sound like that when yeah. you were writing it, or did that kind of happen as it was going along? Yeah, Comeback Love came to me in a dream, and I woke up. This is so weird, like songwriter talk, you know, but I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning one night, and I'm literally just like singing in bed, like, you got that you know, like your your crappy like like middle of the night voice, like yeah. nothing's warmed up, and I like just singing into my voice memos and pass back out because otherwise it would just like continue to dream in my head. Do you do that often? Uh, yeah, 
It happens probably like once a month or like really when I'm in a writing space. Okay. Yeah. It will like songs will start to come to me when I'm sleeping and then I have to wake up and open up my phone and put it in my voice memos. But I had a write with um, Jesse Frazier, who's my producer on the, on this project and Sarah Buxton. I had a write with them the next day and Sarah's just like this like wildflower. She is so down to kind of like go anywhere with music, which I love writing with her for mm-hmm. that. And then Jesse has this like soul, like he's he's from Detroit. So he's got this like kind of soul that's just like ingrained in him. And we talk the same language when it comes to music. And so I was like, y'all, I have this idea and it's about this, you know, independent person who is just like real sassy about the fact that she doesn't need anybody. And then she like meets this person and all of a sudden she's like, you know, obsessed with them and just wants to hang out with them all the time. And her kind of independence and a relationship is just out the window. She's just like, I'm obsessed with you, you know, (laughs) which was me. (laughs) I was like, this is autobiographical. Um, But yeah, it's, it's when we were writing it, we were like, all right, let's just go all the way. And like, make it this like kind of soulful, like seventies feel. But like, I was like, I want, I want steel guitar solos on this project because that's how I grew up. I grew up in the honky tonk singing with Mm. my dad. They always had a steel guitar player and they always had a fiddle. And I just always felt so, um, I don't know, like almost like hugged by by the steel guitar yeah yeah and so uh that song i really love on this project and i've gotten to sing it live once and uh i I got a really cool reaction from it and um i'm just i'm excited to have it in my live set what was the one you sang at cma fest recently that people were singing it back to you after you wrote it left you for me yeah you put it out uh, like a week later it was a week yeah oh that was crazy yeah i i put out i left you left you for me i put it out a week before cma fest i'm standing on stage and i'm like oh maybe like a couple of people will know the song people were literally singing it back to me word for word like verses and chorus and i was like i was getting a little weepy on stage you know really? like how is this happening like uh-huh. as quickly as it's happening is that one of the quickest like ever for you definitely yeah it it was like you know you just don't expect anyone to really know it at that point but i guess you know cma festers they're hardcore yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah they come to party and they, they know come, yeah yeah they well, know I mean, the that music. speaks for the music you're putting out and like the your fans and your fan base you know they yeah. want to consume it so fast so like are you already working on your next project i am yeah i mean <laughs> nobody knows about it yet but yeah i mean i i'm always writing i never stop writing i don't have like cycles of like this is when i write and this is when i don't like Got i'm it. always writing my brain is always writing so just makes sense to create a song out of it um but yeah i i have a project that i'm working on that you know i'll i'll bring to the label and see what they think about it but it's it's just so fun to just like continue i i'm in such a creative place in my life right now and so it's just fun to continue like putting out into the world what's in my brain and my heart what's the so two-part question. What's the dumbest song you've ever wrote, like in the middle of the night or something you record and you woke up and you're like, what the was I thinking? One time I woke up and it was like, it was called like fragical and like, it was like, you know, super fragilistic, like, like that kind of a thing. And I thought it was so good. And I even like sang it into my phone 
And then I woke up the next day and I was like, that's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's one that's like you, a song that you thought was like, y'all, this is the jam. And people had to like be like, not it. Has there ever been anything like that? I feel like I'm my worst critic. Okay. Like, I feel like I'm my, I'm like... Other people will usually say like, oh, that's not like, I'll be like, I wrote a song today. It's not great. And like, someone will hear I'm, it and they're like, smack. Or they'll be like, oh, that's like the way that you said it. I thought it was going to be like some kind of like, you know, garbage bomb. And like, it's not terrible. And yeah. I'm like, really? Because to me, this is like, this is not good. No, you it's know? all about what you make it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like on paper, I find that in radio, like if uh, sometimes you write down what you're going to do on paper, it looks silly, but it's all about like what you make it. Like yeah. Cardi B uh, made something <laughs> out of like ding dong, like ding dong. You know, it's on paper, it looks silly and you probably wouldn't see this a lot as a writer in your head, though. It's there, you know, and totally. It's all about like puns and the way that you phrase things and mm-hmm. rhythm. And that's what's so fun about writing music. I bet. Yeah. I mean, Missy Elliott was like, it's your for me to playing. Yeah, come and on. people like, were what? Into, Right, right. It's like one of my favorite songs. I don't even know what it says, but it just pumps me up. <laughs> um, you came out a year and a half ago. Uh, you yeah. said to get married. What was the final straw or was there a moment where you're like, all right, I'm doing this? Yeah. Well, there were a lot of moments for me because I was in the closet for five years. So it was like a long time of like just toxicity. And basically the first light bulb uh, moment for me was I got really sick. I was like, I was like almost passing out on stage. Like I, um, my, uh, my iron in my body was like depleting really quickly. And I was having to go get like iron infusions. And I was like best friends with my like doctors and nurses. And I was like, oh, this is probably not good. You know, like what's going on? So basically they ended up doing this like camera pill, which is so cool. You like swallow camera and it takes all these pictures of your body And I found out that I had ulcers in my small intestine. And my doctor was like, listen, Brooke, there's no like pill for this. There's no cure for this. Like you have to take care of yourself. And there's not like a a physical um, tie to this. Like this is mental. This is emotional. Like you have to figure out what's happening in your gut and figure it out. And I was like, okay. Like I know, knew exactly what it was as soon as he said it. Like I'm hiding such a huge part of myself And for me, that's really hard. I feel like some people are like more comfortable because they're more private. I over here am like an open book. I'm a songwriter. I'm constantly singing and talking about my life. So it was very, very hard on me and super taxing. And then I just, you know, I'm so in love with my girlfriend at the time. And I wanted to marry her. And I wanted to like live just how we're both open books. We both just wanted to live our lives. And I kept on thinking like, man, I wish that somebody else would come out. It'd be so much easier for me to come out if somebody else came out. And then I started thinking, maybe I need to come out so that it's easier for someone else to be themselves. And so I was reading this book in like probably October of 2020 during the pandemic, kind of the the BS button got pushed and everything that didn't matter was to the side. What book was it? I was reading a book called Untamed okay. by Glennon Doyle. Do you know it? No, I thought no. it was like the, there's a book, something about F's book that I read. No. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But so. Untamed is a great, I mean, I think it's great for men and women. It just talks about like kind of the way society shapes us and like men have to be like super strong and bold and like, you know, fierce and women are supposed to be like sleek and sexy and skinny, like those kinds mm. of things, you know, and. 
just kind of how to get through those those barriers in our society. But I'm reading and she is talking about integrity and just clearly defines integrity as you when you portray to the world the person that you are in your home. And I realized in that moment that I had been living my life with no integrity. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not good for anybody. This is not good for me. This is not good for my music. This is not good for my fans. This is not good for my girlfriend, my family. Like, this isn't good for anybody, you know? And so I finally, in that moment, I was like, Hill, my girlfriend, I'm like, Hill, we, I have to come out. And she's like, praise the Lord. Like, let's do this. And then I called my management and my label right after. And I was like, y'all, you know, I, I know we're getting ready to to put out these songs. And I just don't feel comfortable putting out these songs without being myself. Like I can't be in one more interview and worry about the pronoun that I'm using. And they not only, you know, supported me, but encouraged me to just, they were like, yeah, we, we get it. You don't have to explain it to us. So it was really cool to have that support. And then I was like, I have no idea if country music is going to let me in and, and hug me and embrace me for this, or if they're going to be like, no, no, like, you know, kind of Shelly write me. I didn't know it was going to happen. And so it was, it, it was such a, eye-opening moment when, you know, I, I came out and was completely embraced. And I think that, you know, it gives an invitation for anybody to be themselves, not just about coming out, not just, you know, about about being in the LGBTQ community, but just as a human, just mm-hmm. being yourself. And I hope that, you know, me being me allows other people to to be them. And, you know, they feel like there's an invitation to be a part of country music. So that's a lot. Amazing. <laughs> First of all, I don't want, that's awesome. <laughs> who were you keeping it from? Yeah. Who were you keeping it from and who knew and who did like, yeah. did your label know? Did your parents know? Yeah. So I think that that's the weird thing is that like, that was the uncomfortable thing is that ev- I feel like everybody kind like, of knew, Okay. you know, like I'm posting with Hillary every day you know, all the time, like uh, my parent, my, our family's new, um, our, my record label knew, Yes. Um, but it was very much like, Hey, you know, at the beginning when we first met, it was like, Hey, you can be in a relationship in your own house privately and be a country singer, but you can't be out and be a country singer. Good like I was you. told that, you know, Yeah, but you broke that mold. Yeah. That's good for you. Thank you. That's so, so cool. It took a while, you know, yeah. it really did. And I had to get a, get to a place in myself where I was just really confident in who I, who I am. And I am so there. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was wild, but my fans, I had never said it to my fans. So it was kind of like this weird elephant in the room, you know, yeah. and it kind of, the story wasn't mine anymore. And I was like, no, Gotta, I gotta take my story back, and I gotta take, you know, own my life and and own who I am. So, are you hearing from? I could imagine so many people that are in that boat and want to come out. And is there a particular story? Because you talk a lot about it on TikTok and stuff. Yeah. Is there a particular story that someone has shared with you that really like got you like? Yeah. Well, it it happens probably at at least 10 times a week where someone will like DM me and just be like, Hey, thank you so much. Like I came out to my family and like showed them your video and like, you know, this helped me come out to my family and they understand it. But my, the biggest thing uh, I had someone reach out to me just recently and say, you, 
saved my life. Mm. And that to me is everything because there are moments in my life. I'm a very like stable, mentally sound person. 99 out of a hundred days. But I even got to a place where I was like, would it just be easier for me if I wasn't here anymore? Like, would it be easier for other people if I wasn't here anymore? And so to hear that I can, I could affect someone and just say like, Hey, your life is going to be great. Like maybe this is the way that society has functioned for many years, but there's nothing wrong with you either, you know? And so that was really cool. I had a mom reach out to me and say, you know, I, I was really worried. I was fearful for my daughter. I was fearful because I know life can be harder Mm -hmm. and I see you and your fiance and it makes me realize that there's hope for my daughter. So that those are like, it's it's all worth it. You know? Yeah. Um, can you give us any wedding details? Wedding details. Yeah. So we're getting married in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Yes. I know. Everyone's like, woo, woo. Spicy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we, I wrote our first dance song. Has anyone heard it yet? Hillary has heard it. Um, I, I wrote it. My co-writers, I was like, Hey, I really want to write a first dance song. Now here's the thing. I've like, made a go at this a few times. Right. And it was always like, this is really good, but it's not the one. And this day I was like, this is the one. And I bring it home to Hill and I'm like, babe, I think I wrote our first dance song. She's like, oh yeah, you write songs for me all the time. And I'm like, no, but this time is like real. Like, it's like, like, this is the one. She's like, okay, yeah, play it for me at some point. And I'm like, Okay. Like, you know that, like, yeah, you know, yeah, you write yeah. a lot of love songs when you're for your but, fiance yeah. and she's like, yeah, I know you do that for me all the time. Uh-huh. Like, what's up? You know? So eventually like the next day I was like, okay, no, I really want to play you this song. And she's like, oh yeah, sorry. I, I just kind of forgot about it. And then I played it for her. And by the time that we like, just when the chorus hit, just tears started falling down her face. And I was like, got her. Got it. Got her. Yeah. <laughs> Got her. So I'm really excited for, for that and like to get to like have that moment um, with her, with the song that I wrote about us. And yeah. Are you going to cry at the wedding? Oh my God. I'm like going to, I am so worried. I literally, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to make a voice memo on my phone in case I get to a point where I can't physically speak. And I'm just gonna play it into the microphone and lip sync it. I've already decided that this, this is gonna this is gonna be my backup plan. <laughs> um, well, I, but I, want, I will say, yeah. sorry to no, no, interrupt you. I will say, uh, a couple of days ago, we were watching Married at First Sight, which like I love that show. show. It's yeah, so good, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like these are strangers; they've never met yeah. each other. So like they're they're saying vows to each other, but it's like they don't know each other it's before stranger, like, ten yeah. seconds before. I kid you not, this man is saying his vows to his, like, stranger wife, and Hillary is crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, you think that I'm going to be the sappy one, but you're crying over vows from two strangers, okay? Yeah, so we're both going to be messy. It's going to be a mess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and our best friend, Ford, who's, like, my creative director and, like, literally directed, like, all of the music videos that Hillary was in with me and all these things, 
he is marrying us. He's officiating oh, the wedding. That's so cool. So he's also going to be a blubbering fool. <laughs> yeah. You better pre-record the whole system and then I know. just play it back. Literally. Yeah. We're just going to be lip syncing our, our vows and like our entire ceremony. That's funny. <laughs> I was at the uh, ACM Radio Row event in Vegas. Yeah. I was interviewing TJ Osborne. Oh, yeah. And you walked by. Yeah. And TJ was like, like he had something to tell you. Oh, yeah. Um. Are you guys, was he someone that helped you through the process of coming out? You know what? I have known the Osborne brothers since, <laughs> the brothers Osborne, but the <laughs> Osborne brothers <laughs> as well, since like my very first week in Nashville. So I've been here for 10 years and actually John Osborne played my first show with me in Nashville as on guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, my very first Key West Songwriters Fest, like the Brothers Osborne was like the house band for the after party that we all sang at. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So they've been friends for a while. And actually for a lot of those years, I didn't know that TJ was in the LGBTQ community. So it's not like we really talked about it. I like later, you know, found out and knew and was like, oh, you know, but we never talked about it before. What's crazy is I came out and then like two weeks later, TJ came out and we did not plan that. We did not talk about it. It wasn't like a, Hey, are you ready to do this thing? Like it wasn't, it just so happened that our timing kind of just worked out that way. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of like that BS button that I was talking about. We're like all the BS went to the side and then everything that mattered rose to the top. And I think that both of us realized like during the pandemic and during that time that like, this was really important for us to tell our stories in order to be the best artists we can be and the best songwriters we could be. It, it matters for us to be ourselves. And so, yeah, we did not plan that by any means. We didn't talk about it. We, I had no idea that it was happening, but yeah, it just so happened that the timing kind of like worked out that way. Wow. And you guys are essentially pioneering, you know, the next generation of country music in that sense, you know, you know, it's, it's, kind of wild because we're both pretty cis, you know, like I'm a pretty girly girl and he's a pretty doodly dude, you know? And we were talking about that the other night of like, you know, since we both came out, we've like definitely leaned on each other to, you know, just like running into each other at parties or like, you know, just out and about in Nashville. We'll always get into like, you know, like we're, we're doing this together and like, we're proud of each other. Um, But we were just talking about, you know, being, very like within our gender, like our gender norms. We're like, does it make it easier for us? Because he's like a super like manly man and I'm a super like womanly woman. So like, does it make it easier? We don't know. So we, it's just interesting to continue to have those conversations with someone who's going through it in that moment. But also like we really have been embraced by country music and we'll continue to like push forward and like, you know, continue to, you know, hopefully normalize just love in general, just normalize Mm -hmm. it. That's all it is. We're not trying to sensationalize it or like, you know, wave any crazy flags or anything like that. Just like, Hey, we're just like you. We love just like you, like love us back. Mm -hmm. A while back, someone asked you what makes you happy and that like changed a lot of the way you thought. Yeah. Is the answer still the same now? I think that I didn't have an answer before because I was never asking myself what made me happy. I was asking what would make me successful or what would make other people happy because that was where I found happiness was in other people. But then I and myself was not happy. 
So I think now what makes me happy is just getting to fully embrace my life, just fully embrace who I am and live that life every single day. Good for you. That's awesome. I mean, I know I don't really know you. I'm proud of you. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Sweetheart. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming in, and we appreciate you stopping by and the EP coming out. Congrats on all that. And thank you. Pumped to hear what's next. Thank you, Evan. Yeah. (laughs) And after the interview is over, we bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera. Kind of get a. It's cool for me to get your perspective because I, I don't even remember half the stuff I'm talking about during these things. I tell you what. Well, nice job on the wedding details. That's always a really good scoop. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks. It, um, yeah, I was surprised by that. I didn't know that what she wrote a song just about for her wedding. Yeah, it sounds like she tried to write several of them. And kind of a, a little DYK about her fiance. Her fiance is like a record radio rep for Garth Brooks. Uh-huh. So you can kind of understand maybe why... She's a little bit difficult to impress. Yeah, I didn't know that until she said that. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, she's uh, dealing with Garth all day. You know, it's, right. it's not like she's uh, working a regular person job. She's a great song, Brooke, but it's not the dance. <laughs> but like if me or you wrote a song to our wives, even if it was horrible, I got to right. think they would be just like... Oh, this is this is good. Hey, they better. Yeah. I go through all that trouble of writing a song and then share it with them. I better get some tears. Right, right, right. Conjure them up or something. Yeah, so it's, it was cool to hear her perspective on that. <laughs> what surprised you about Brooke Eden? Because I think this was, uh, it wasn't the first time you met her, but maybe the first time you met her since she did come out a couple of years ago. Yeah, and the last time I interviewed her, was only I only had like two minutes, and it was like the uh, Country Music right. uh, ACM Awards. Um, what surprised me? She's very, like, um, very kind and like has, is very connected within the country music industry. And I think it's a, a, has a lot to do with her courage. And, um, I think that, um, between that and, you know, other artists that are finding their way and coming out now, I think it's cool that she is connecting with, like, you know, TJ and, and Osborne and stuff like that. Um, but she's very nice. Like, she's just down to earth. I've seen her talk in other interviews and even an old Taste of Country interview about how she now listens to, like, interviews from several years ago of herself. And it's almost like she was just giving auto answers, like... She wasn't herself. She was half engaged. Oh. And comparing like the interview you did with her to like maybe an interview I did with her four, five, six years ago, I definitely sense that. The level of confidence and just swagger is just astounding now. Yeah, yeah. Really and, impressive. And I'm sure what adds to that is is being at back out and doing live shows and having, you know, a song out on the radio and and you know, that's going viral on TikTok. Cause like like I said in the interview when we saw that she was at CMA Fest, um which, uh, you know, just aired on TV. Um, and she was there and singing and she had just put a song out a couple of days earlier. <laughs> And the fans were singing like all the words to it. And I think that adds to your confidence level. I tell you what, I had somebody in here interviewing and it struck a chord with me the other day and it relates to that. And I don't remember who it was, but maybe you do. But they said something like, if you're going to be on stage performing for a bunch of people, you're expected to have that confidence. Like, you, they don't want to see somebody up on stage like nervous, and they. So you, 
it's you either have it or you fake it till you make it. And I think instances where the fans and crowd are singing her music back to her are all adding to even her interviews that are making her have more confidence and more swagger. It's fun to watch artists kind of throughout their career get better at like the interview process, but also like on stage performances and just kind of develop that confidence. And you go year to year. Sometimes we see these artists once, twice a year Uh uh, live and you can really see that growth after they played a summer's worth of show. And all of a sudden they come back with new music and they're owning whatever stage they're on. I I carry Underwood is an example. Early on, she was, she had some anxiety, but she was playing some really big stages because she was just coming off an American Idol. Several years later, you saw her on stage, and she was just a queen. What artists can you think of that if they listen to some of their old, old stuff, they will be like, like I listen to like Tim McGraw, like uh, Indian Outlaw. Is that what it is? Yep. And then I listen to like, yeah, when skydiving. Right. It's like doesn't even sound like the same. But then if you listen to like Luke Bryan's uh, 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 All My Friends Say and then like Kick the Dust Up and and like songs like that. And now I think he sounds the same. Uh, One example that comes to mind just because he I think he still has the number one song in country music, uh, Scotty McCreary. Now, he was a teenager coming off American Idol, but his first album was produced by a guy with a little bit more of a pop background. Ah. He had songs like I Love You Too Big and Water Tower Town, and they were a little bit, some of them were a little bit hokey, but they weren't, he, they didn't lean into his traditional country vibe. Okay. He certainly didn't have that swagger. And now you listen to some of the songs he performs, and you see him live, and he's truly found himself. I mean, there's a reason why he's having success now. It's not just because... He's found the right songs on the right label. I, I think it's because he's kind of grown into himself. Interesting. I, I bet the same can be said about, you know, I know for me, maybe you too. Like, I can't listen to my old radio demos. I don't know if you pull up articles that you wrote. Right. Yeah. When you first start writing articles, you're probably like, yeah. Argh. So, like, <laughs> these artists have to live with this for the rest of their lives on the radio. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Michael Ray is going to be driving down the road yeah. in 2050 and someone's going to say, here's a throwback whiskey and rain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, Kane Brown, like some of his early singles were miles away from what he's releasing. Yeah. Now. Totally, and did, totally what didn't different. he first come out on like YouTube or like MySpace? Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so he's like the Facebook production star. was probably like compared to what it is now on Kane Brown songs, probably awful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. yeah no doubt about it. Uh, Brooke, she's told her coming out story before, and she might have even shared some of the details that she shared with you before. But the story, I don't think, has been told enough because she's not like a what I think we call, and I hate this phrase sometimes, but an A-level artist. You yeah. know, she's not a superstar yeah. concert headliner, so she's still a little bit of an unknown entity. But she seems to recognize that, and she really embraces if she has told that story before, some of those stories before, it sounded like it was the first time yeah. when she told you when you asked what inspired her to come out. Yeah, it almost, you're right. It, but it, to me, it almost sounded like not enough people ask her that. Um, you know, in our genre, it might not be a popular topic. That's probably true. Or maybe they ask a question with like a, specific slant or an an angle because they want to make sure they couch her answer into something that's a little bit safer for the radio. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. That's kind of where I'm at on that. But she's almost an artist where it's best to do less research with her a little bit because 
I don't know, you can get in your head a little bit if you find out stuff's out there, you don't want to ask the same questions again. But sometimes asking an already asked question is the yeah. thing to do. Yeah, I could go both ways on that. I'm the same way. If I if I see a question is already asked, it's been like this for me since the internet came out. Like it's like everything is on Wikipedia or the artist's website that you want to know about that artist. Right. So like when they come in, like do I want to ask anything that is already known? But then, like, I'm like, well, I'm going to ask it different, and I believe I can get a different answer. So even if it's up on Wikipedia, I'm my goal now is to make it so it gets updated on Wikipedia. So, like, but it's tough, man. It's tough because you don't want to do a full interview where the artist is uncomfortable because they haven't answered any of the questions. You know, that'd be like being, like, on 60 Minutes. Yeah, I, I, I talked to Thompson Square once, and this was actually just recently. You know, Thompson Square's been around for 10 years, over a decade. Um, and I had read an interview for like a, a newspaper outlet in California, like a small town newspaper outlet. Uh-huh. And the guy asked, how did you get the name Thompson Square? Like a really rudimentary question. Like uh-huh. That's something that's on their Wikipedia page. It's obvious they're married. They're uh-huh. right. Like, why would you ask that? But then I got to think about it. I'm like, but his audience... They might be being introduced to Thompson Square for the first time. Good point. So that might be not a bad question for Thompson Square in that context. Yeah, that's a good point. That's it's really tough when you're um, blanketing. You have a blank an audience that you have to blanket with one thing, and everybody has different you know wants and needs. So everyone wants to hear different things about their favorite artists or new artists. So it's tough. You think you and I will get an invite to her wedding? Uh probably not. Ah. Uh- Probably not. Where did she say it was? I'm not Mexico, sure. Mexico, right? Yeah, oh, probably yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I can't afford to go out there. That's no. what I was just going to say. I mean, even if I, I did. I got a kid. You got yeah. three kids. There's no way. I got two broken cars currently. Yeah. I mean, like, the only way I could go to her wedding if she invited me, if it, if it was like here. <laughs> Is Garth Brooks going to be at her wedding? Uh, good question. That would be the good question. That's Is Dan good. and Shay going to sing at their wedding? <laughs> They just pop up everywhere. So many questions, man. But hey, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to Taste of Country Nights on demand. And give us a like, give us a rating, a subscribe, send the link to our podcast to a friend. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And this podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.